Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Chaos to Connected podcast. Last week, as I was recording some of the episodes that aired, I was thinking that I have shared bits and pieces of our story. I'm sure if you listen to episodes, you know aggression is a big part of that. But I realized I've never actually shared our story, or mine particularly, and so I wanted to take some time to do that today because I think it can help and it shows you the path of where I've taken, um, what I've been through to learn these things, and how these strategies have I have literally experienced them transform our lives. And I think that's really powerful to share. So I'm going to start way back at pretty much the beginning of motherhood. So Miles was a few months old and we went to his four month well checkup. And out of nowhere, I didn't comment anything about his sleeping or anything. And she just suddenly said, Okay, now is a good time for you to start letting him cry out to sleep. And she went into this big story about how, you know, if I can't handle it, then I should just go out for a few hours and let my husband do it. And I was just sitting there thinking, and it's interesting because I was an occupational therapist at the time and I helped parents advocate, you know, with professionals, with other people, teachers in the school, whatever it might be, encourage them to advocate. But I just kind of sat there taking it all in and was, I don't know if I was just so stunned that I didn't know what to say in the moment, but I was just thinking, one, that's just not for me. I know some people can handle that. It's just not for me. I I just can't do that. <laughs> I I don't know if it's partially because I just don't feel like that was right, but also because I'm just a more highly sensitive person and hearing my baby just scream in another room without me just didn't sit well with me. But the biggest part of it was because I was an occupational therapist and I knew that he couldn't regulate himself at that point and he also didn't have the ability to like engage in any sensory type activity, finding his nook to suck on or really like using a blanket as a calming mechanism or even like rolling or rocking side to side because he was only four months old. So I knew like he wasn't going to be learning to self-soothe. He was going to be learning that he cried and we didn't come. And I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but that's where this journey really started because at that point, um, I was really angry that she (laughs) told that to me and I honestly wanted to send her a bunch of research and I didn't, but we never went back there. And that led me down this path of really wanting to find a style of parenting that felt good to me. 
but in the long run got the results that I was hoping for. And yes, aside from, you know, (laughs) that whole sleeping thing, I wanted something that, you know, really respected the child's development, but also helped to train the child to respect my authority for my authority and listen to me because of that and not because I was threatening something or punishing for not doing something or awarding for something. And so I did a lot of research because I didn't really know of anything like that. I didn't know what that would look like. And I finally came across Aware Parenting, which is pretty similar to hand-in-hand parenting. I read some of their books, like was on their website, and I just, I continued to just slowly, as I was able to, research different things. When my oldest was about eight months old, I would say, we had our first stay listening session, which I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I had no idea. But I just remember very vividly, he just had so many feelings and he was just screaming and he didn't want to be in my lap and he just was like rolling around the room and having a tantrum and just letting out all of his feelings. And again, I didn't know what that was, but it was about 45 minutes of him screaming and kicking and crying and just rolling everywhere and I just sat there and tried to support him through it and I had no idea what I was doing but I knew that it helped and as you know as he continued to grow there was lots of big feelings lots of difficulty you know with daycare coming home at night I felt a lot like what's wrong with me kind of because he was just always so upset. Um, lots of big feelings that I know, like I understand now what was going on, but at the time I had no idea. He was, he, you know, cried a lot, had lots of tantrums, was a lot on edge, but particularly to me. And in those times I was like, what am I doing wrong here? (laughs) Like, why is he pretty much like focusing all of that to me versus me and my husband. And, you know, we just continued on and then I found hand-in-hand parenting. And I listened to a podcast. There was two different podcasts at the time that I would listen to. Um, You know, I was doing more home care sessions, so I was driving a lot more, and so it allowed me more time to really kind of take in some of this information. And I recognized that stay listening was a big one for us and setting limits and how that could help with feelings. And so I did that, but I didn't really implement any of the other connection listening strategies. Fast forward to being pregnant with my second child. And I just knew, I mean, ever since my oldest was born, and even before that, I had a really strong desire to be home with them. And I absolutely loved my job as an OT. I loved where I worked. I loved what I did. I loved the kids that I worked with. But I just really wanted to be the one home with my kids. I didn't want to have to bring them to daycare every day and spend most of our days apart. And so when my second was about to be born, 
I was really just thinking, how can I make this happen? Because like so many people, we needed both incomes at the time. And so I couldn't just, you know, just stay home and not have an income coming in. And so that led me to thinking about starting daycare. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like, um, almost a little guilty for not using my OT degree, but I would still kind of be utilizing it, you know, just with the activities that we were doing and, um, just working with the kids and that sort of thing. So as I like talked with my husband and other people, they were like, Oh yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like a great idea. And so I went through the whole paperwork and we ended up moving and some more paperwork and I finally opened a daycare and there were six kids total. So two of mine and four other kids and it started out okay. And then there was, it like blew up (laughs) as in Miles's feelings. There was so much crying and With the crying, I was okay with that because I knew how to handle it. I just listened. I sat next to him. We had um, it in our basement, which is just a big open floor plan. It wasn't remodeled or anything, so I had everything set up. And I could sit with him and I could still see the other kids. And I would try, you know, my OT mind was thinking, okay, well, if I give him calming activities or create a calming space, then he'll have a place to go when he's feeling really upset or bothered by some of the other kids. He'll have things to do that really help him. And if you haven't listened to the Calming Space series, I did a two-episode series. I would highly encourage you to listen to that. I'll link it in the show notes. But that didn't work (laughs) at all. And I changed the space many times thinking, well, if it's over here, maybe he'll like it better. Or it's over here or the door can close. Well, then he didn't want to be cl- the door to be closed, but then the kids could come in and then I used a gate. And then, you know, I was just trying to think of all these different ways to create this calming space for him that also didn't make him feel secluded because of course he didn't want to be up in his room alone because that was upstairs. And soon the behavior started turning towards more aggression. And that was extremely challenging because there would be times where he was having a good day. He was actually engaged in playing with the kids. And I would just maybe not even turn my back, but like look away to write down some meals we were going to have for that week or, you know, work on creating an activity for that day or something. And suddenly I'd hear a cry and it was because he hit somebody. And it it came to be this thing where I could not do anything else. I mean, outside of, of taking care of the other kids, except for pretty much stay next to him and kind of follow him around to make sure that he was safe and the other kids were safe, that he wasn't going to be hitting them. Because it was just so impulsive at that point that even when he was in a good mood, it could change like that. And that was extremely exhausting. Um, So if you're in that place, I totally understand what that's like. And I know when I tell you to stay with your child, that it's exhausting because I have done that. 
Um, and I had to do that for a long time. And it got to this point where I was just like, I, I literally don't know what to do because I can't do this the whole day, right? There's four other kids, five other kids, including my own. You know, I, I have to make meals. There are things that I have to do that have to take my attention away. And I need to still make sure that everybody's safe. And so at certain points, I had like created a space for every child. So whenever I needed to do that, I literally had to put them in their own space. And I just recognized like this isn't, this isn't um, working, <laughs> right? And it's probably not best for my oldest. Like I, like it just felt like it was too much for him. And so I finally decided like enough was enough. We needed a change. And so I hired a coach. So what I do now, I had been following somebody. She had her own podcast too. And I just decided like we needed to do it and it didn't matter what it costs because I needed help. And so did he, you know, I didn't want him to feel how he was feeling every day. So we started the coaching process. It was a six week program and we met once a week and then she would talk through the different strategies. And once we finally started implementing all of them. So like I had mentioned, we were already doing the like setting limits and stay listening, but that's only half. (laughs) That's only half of the ones that you utilize for the kids. And that's not including the one that you're supposed to use as a parent. And so when we finally started understanding and learning about the other ones and how to implement them, everything started to shift. At that point, he was waking up in the night several times Um, it was just hard all around. He was not sleeping in or long enough. And with the waking in the night, it was just, it was really hard. And I had, you know, a six to 10 month old, depending on the time. Well, he was ended up, it was longer than that. But anyways, you know, so I was not sleeping very much either because going back and forth between the two and So we started doing sessions with her and things started really shifting and I just saw such transformation in how the strategies were working and how I could, I could just do other things. I didn't have to be looming over him all the time, but I understood what was going to help him and I could actually help him. You know, that place where, you know, like when your kids are sick and you feel like you're just watching it happen and you can't really do much about it. That's kind of like what it was like for me with the behaviors. I was trying everything I could think of, but I was pretty much just watching from the sidelines, just trying to, you know, stop any hurting that might happen. But I wasn't really actively working into those deep feelings that were occurring. And I think a lot of things played into that. I think previous daycare experiences, Um, he had, you know, there were some things that he probably was modeled that then came out. I think there was a lot of deep feelings because he is a more highly sensitive child that even things that maybe other kids wouldn't 
hold on to so hard, he held on to for a really long time. I mean, at one point, um, there was another child that, you know, was his age or a little bit older and they played together pretty well and they were playing with some of his toys. And like two weeks later, he told me that this child had colored a little bit on his canvas, like had made a mark on it for two weeks. He carried that without saying anything. So I feel like that gives you maybe a peek into, I mean, that would hurt my feelings too. You know, you make this nice canvas painting and somebody draws on it and, but how long he held on to that for and how like in the grand scheme of things that that might be something a little bit smaller. And so he just had so many things inside and, um, I just felt so bad for him. You know, I think we all do as parents, we don't want our kids to be hurting, but anyways, so we went through this coaching process and it just, it transformed our lives. Um, and his, you know, I felt like I could actually know what to do. Like it didn't, it didn't make them go away. Obviously there's still lots of feelings. It's still hard having other kids in your space with toys that are yours, <laughs> but it, it was just so much better. The relationships between him and the other kids grew and that then led me, there was, um, you can become a parent coach, a hand-in-hand parent coach, I guess. I don't know if that's the official thing they call it, but you can also take a professional intensive training. And since I'm an OT, that's what I decided to do. It was three months, four months, something like that. Um, and because I wanted to be able to continue my learning in it, but I also wanted to be able to support other parents. I did not know in what capacity that would be, but I started implementing it even with some of the kids at the daycare. And it was just amazing to see how, you know, there were some kids who just would block all their emotions. They didn't think crying was okay. And just teaching them that it is okay to cry and, you know, them going home and if they got hurt or something or started to cry, they would tell their parents, Miss Kaylee says it's okay to cry. And, um, it just felt like in that moment, you know, this, this works for not just me, like this can work whether you are parenting your child or whether you're a teacher or a daycare provider or, an occupational therapist working with kids in sessions, like it, it can span across everything. It doesn't matter if you are the sole provider or care provider for that child. You can be working with them in a different capacity and still be providing these connection strategies to help them manage some of these big feelings that they have. And honestly, sometimes it's a little bit easier if you're a provider versus a parent because you're not you don't have all this experience that has um, created patterns. You know, for example, if you are one that hasn't felt great about crying or you've had the mindset that crying is something that I need to help stop because it means my child is hurting and I don't want my child to hurt. Well, there's a lot of patterning then that occurs that teaches your kid you're not okay with crying. And so then you have to kind of undo that patterning. Whereas, you know, if you're a professional just starting, sometimes it's, if you have the mindset, sometimes it's just easier to let the child cry. There's not so much 
of an emotional pull, shall we say, because they're not, you know, they haven't come directly from you or your home. And so after I finished doing the coaching, I, I still just felt like the daycare was too much for my oldest and, um, we just needed a change. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't where I felt called to anymore. And so, um, you know, we ended the daycare, but I continued to want to pursue different ways of trying to help people with these strategies. And so, um, you know, that's where I am at today. I really want to provide resources for you to recognize that a child's behavior is just communicating to you what they're feeling on the inside because so often they don't have the words or they don't know how to say it or process it in order to speak it to you. And there is so much about behavior that we do not understand, that we're not taught, that's not easily accessible unless you're doing lots of research, um, that is against what society wants to teach us about kids. And I think it creates this um, bubble around parenting that makes things feel, at least for me, much more difficult than they need to be because, you know, we're told, don't rock them to sleep. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this because then they won't ever be able to do it by themselves. Send them to their room so that they can calm down or do timeouts or whatever it might be. And we're in this constant state of promoting for us to disconnect from our child. Our little child who is brand new to this world doesn't know a lot and is misunderstood. And, you know, we have all these same feelings. We get big hurts, but we haven't been taught how to relate that to our children and how that's exactly what they're going through. And instead, it's so easy for us to yell and shame and just um, send them off to figure it out on their own. And I just want this podcast, the coaching, everything that I share to be an encouragement and understanding that children are more than behaviors. And even when those behaviors are very overwhelming and exhausting, they're communicating to you. And they're probably things that your child doesn't enjoy. (laughs) I know, you know, I know my son didn't like to hit anyone because I could see it on his face, but he was literally like, I don't, I can't stop it. I don't know what to do. Please help me. And so I think this hand in hand parenting style that I've been trained in, that I encourage you to implement is that bridge between our child's big feelings and our ability to help them support them through it in a way that allows them to express those feelings and work through them in a way that's safe and healing. And so if you're struggling at all, parenting is hard, right? That's that's never going to be easy. It's not meant to be. How can we have something that creates such a massive impact in our life on this world just be easy, right? It's not going to be easy. But these strategies 
can make your life go much smoother and just have more peace and joy in your home instead of all this chaos just you know getting home from a day of work and then you have to do all the things but your kids upset because they need attention and they don't know how to tell you that and then there's arguing and then there's going to your room and then there's this guilt that follows and it just doesn't have to be that way it doesn't and so even if you're in that place i just want to encourage you to lean in go listen back to all the episodes that are available to you and if you're still struggling reach out to me and we can talk about how to help create a peaceful home that's filled with connection that um, teaches you how to implement all of these strategies because I do think that's a big factor. You can't just implement one or two. You need to have all of them in your tool belt because sometimes maybe you're not at a point where you can listen. You know, maybe you're too overwhelmed. Maybe you're too stressed and you can't sit and listen to a child screaming <laughs> or make it through an aggressive session because you just don't have it in you. Well, guess what? There's other strategies then that you can implore. So they're all super important and I think you need to be utilizing them all. So if that's something that you feel like you want to explore, please reach out to me because even if I never did coaching or any of this, I would still be talking about it because it's so transformative and I believe both kids and parents need this information because our kids want to be understood just as much as we want to understand them and help them. And there's ways we can do that. So I'm going to leave you with that. I hope that it can be an encouragement to you that even if you're in the depths, the depths of intense behavior, that there is light on the other side. And I have been in the place where I was like, it's hopeless. This is just going to be our life forever. And I just want to tell you, it doesn't have to be. So um, I would love to chat with you. If you need some encouragement, if you need some help, but dive in, dive all in because you won't regret it. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me, at Kaylee Josire, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I'd love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.